Welcome back to the Code Adam podcast. My name is Julia, and today's interview was with Skylar Bullock. Skylar was in the troubled teen industry between October 2011 to January 2013. Thank you, Skylar, for being our guest today. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us what your first experience with the troubled industry was like? My name is Skylar, and I was sent to Ironwood. That was my first program. I was 16, um, like 16 and a half. It was in October. Um, my first experience was like, I guess, you know, a lot of us probably got kidnapped in the middle of the night. That was my first experience was getting kidnapped, wrapped up in a blanket and taken to Maine. And like, I don't know, I don't, most of the people that pick you up and take you to these places, uh, kind of lie about it. They're like, oh, this is going to be so cool. You're going to be at like a boarding school. Like it's going to be, you know, and I, in my head, I was 16 I thought it was gonna be like Zoe 101 you know like the TV show I was like oh shit this could be so awesome um not the case when I got there they took my shoes they took all my clothes I had to like squat and cough I, I guess because they thought maybe I would have brought weed or I don't know what with me but that's probably because of something my mom said then they give you the shoes without shoelaces and it was it was in October so it was kind of cool time of day when I got there so they give you they gave me like the gray sweatpants I think right away and I like sat out by the fire and started they or yeah by the in the gazebo and you know they make you do the whole 18 page story of your life and then you have to write your first letter I think to your parents yeah did you have to do that yep first letter yeah it's funny because my first letter was fuck you (laughs) I hate you you know absolutely (laughs) horrible and then my next my very next letter it's like I was bipolar. I literally wrote, oh, my God, I've had an epiphany. My life has changed. You know, <laughs> definitely trying to manipulate my way out of it. Didn't work. Um, so what was your relationship with the staff like at your program? Okay. Well, I think everybody had staff kind of like looked at me and they were like, all right, what can we? They Each one came in and they're like, all right, we're going to be the one to get to Skylar. We're going to be like, we're going to be the one that like gets Skylar to cooperate. Cause I mean, I did on a certain level, but I wouldn't ever shut up and I was always in trouble. And I don't know. I had a, I was really close with Kim for a while. She was like my favorite staff. She was just so nice. And me and Ron Ann always like got into it, but like deep down she loved me and she cried a little when I left. So uh, if you're Ron Ann, if you're hearing this, I know you love me. Me and Nikki had it out for each other. She, she didn't like me. I didn't like her. Oh, God bless her now. I don't know what she's doing, but we didn't like each other at least most of the time when I was there. She was always making us do like extra workouts and like all of us were in good shape, you know? I think I remember since Skylar was definitely someone who challenged the rules and the little rules. It was the rules like, you know, COS, code of silence when you're not allowed to speak or... Uh, you know, forgetting your water bottle, stuff like that. But she got punished the most out of the girls that were there when I was there. Um, and I do remember her getting her own staff. Like, they would give her her own staff um, just because that is she was true. out. Yeah. So what was that like? That was because they sent me to, like, this brain doctor. Like, halfway through, I was in Ironwood. They were like, Skylar has to have something wrong with her because she just doesn't want to do it. So, obviously, you know how these programs work. They're like, all right, well, what can we do to, like – get her on some medication and they sent me this brain doctor and they told me that I'm like super, um, impulsive. Um, 
but like not even a real like full doc, um, diagnosis. And that's when they decided to give me my own staff. And Jason was my own staff. And then I had, what was the guy that looked like a lumberjack? Maybe it was Rob. It was like, he was a younger guy, really tall, like seemed like a lumberjacky kind of guy. And then Jess was also one of my, like the Wes's daughter, Jess was also one of my staff. And you know, they, that was really the staff. They were like, all right, what can we do to make Skylar like better? They thought like I was their like little guinea pig. And you know, at first I really did like Jason cause he came in and he like had all these great ideas and he really did like, he seemed like he cared, but, um, sometimes it was a little too much sometimes. Like I would just be out all the time. Every time when everybody was having fun, it would be Skylar just chilling with a back, a, bu- a bucket of rocks, picking up every single white rock in the whole vicinity. And then, then they dump them back out and they're like, all right, do it again. Or like one day I had to, with my own staff, he watched me bring every single piece of wood out of this giant woodshed and stack it outside. And then they were like, and stack it back in there. And so I kept doing that all day. And then I always forget my water bottle. So I would, if I forgot my water bottle with me, they'd, they'd hook like 10 water bottles on me. And then that didn't work because I, I liked being like unique. I liked looking <laughs> That was the best so- part about you I feel like breaking the or just like questioning the rules is because we all got a laugh out of it. We were like, yeah, she's so funny. And but they would try their hardest to be like, don't be like Skylar. She's having too much fun and she's not complying. So we're going to try to punish her. But you were like, yeah, look at me. I get to carry a crate. Look at me. Yeah. I got oh, extra yeah. hats. Water bottle thing. And then some days it, it did suck having to carry like the five gallon bucket of water around. Like we, we lived in a pretty big place. So if we're always walking around. I'm always carrying that big ass thing of water. But that, the one thing that I loved was I pretended like I hated suspenders. I was like, oh, my God, suspenders were so ugly. But I kept forgetting my belt. Or, no, we didn't wear belts. Or what was it? I kept forgetting something, and they made me wear suspenders. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hell, yeah, I look completely different than everybody else. So anything to stand out. Like, that's just, like, not really, like, in an attention-seeking way, but more of in, like, a, I don't know, because you're always just looking – you always – look and feel like everybody else and it's just like I don't I want to be me so I was like I'm gonna wear some suspenders <laughs> I feel like and I do remember I you like the hell out of smacking sla- uh, like rubber banding that your suspenders all the time you're just like yeah look at my suspenders <laughs> yeah and they would they actually eventually took my suspenders away when they found out I liked them but that was my favorite thing I would always wear them like you know how like you wear the sweatshirt You'd wear it over your suspenders. I would always wear my sweatshirt under my suspenders, so my suspenders were always showing at all times. <laughs> but I remember, like, it took me so long to get to purple. Like, most kids that didn't get to purple, what it would the reason it took them so long is because they just didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gave somewhat of a shit. I just like was just I was just having too much of a fun time, like with everything, and it was really hard. And then once I did make it to purple, I think Kim gave me my purple. But it didn't last very long, so. <laughs> well, that leads me to the next question. I'll ask it a little bit differently because the question is, at what point in the program did you decide to comply with the rules? Um, and I know that you didn't get to make it all the way to the farmhouse, but what rules did you find, like, you know, the, the most um, complicated to get get into the program with or get along I never with? never remember to ask to step in or step out or sit, stand, may I speak? That, those were the hardest. I think they started giving me a little bit of leeway on those because I just, like, walk in and then I'm like, fuck. But that and then I hated wearing my hair up in the stupid two ponytail thing. And I'd always have it, like, my bangs down. Even though I thought I looked 
fucking fly as hell. <laughs> but I looked like trash. Like, now when I look at pictures, I'm like, what was I thinking? But, you know, you only get that little five-inch mirror to look at yourself. So you're like, damn. Gosh, um, yeah, I feel like I remember trying to do my hair all extra. Like, just oh have my a little... God. We would all go in there and stand <laughs> on the toilet and look at ourselves. There were so many rules. If there was a rule, it was hard for me. Like, I would follow the rules fine out in normal life. But... I don't know. I just felt like I was at summer camp, like really intense summer camp. <laughs> yeah, it did feel like that sometimes. Like, yeah, okay. so, I mean, obviously not. That is a bit because it was very also very much traumatizing in some aspects. But like on the days where we would have like now when I think back to it, I try not to remember all the bad things. I try to remember like the times where we had like Thanksgiving or like, I don't know, holiday meals and stuff. That does um lead me to the next question is what? Uh, where do you think you would be if you were never sent to any programs in the troubled teen industry? Ooh. It's hard to say because I was, I think I'd be okay. I'd be okay. I wouldn't be in, I wouldn't be where I am now, like loving the out. I mean, I always loved the outdoors, but I wouldn't be like a raft guy during the summer. And like, I don't know. I wouldn't be in the same headspace that I am now. I feel like I'd be still hanging out with people that really didn't respect me. Have your best you know? interests. Yeah. I think about it like a lot. The t- troubled teen industry, like that whole industry, definitely fucked me up, and it didn't set me up straight right afterwards. Like I was pretty, just it was just awful afterwards. But I looked back and I was like all right, I've met some good people, I've met some bad people, I've had crazy experiences, and I kind of knew how to work, like, be like, all right, well, I don't have to be doing what I am doing right now, I can always do something else, because it kind of took me out of my hometown, and flew me up to Maine, and you kind of, like, get out of your bubble, and you're like, all right, well, not everything is what it seems to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, looking back on it, I have good experiences, but I think it could have gone one or two ways. I could have ended up like a shithead. Um, I was screaming at my parents, like sneaking out drinking, like drinking. I jumped out of a car before I went to Ironwood. Oh my God. Um, it was pretty bad. But um, I do think that I should have been sent away, but I don't think I should have been sent away to like a treatment center, you know? Or if, I, if, if it was, like it should have been just like the wilderness therapy that I went through, you know? Yeah. Something that wasn't going to like, cause cool. a com- like a complex PTSD. Do you? Yeah, not a boot camp or like I don't know, like to, just to a ranch, which Ironwood felt like a ranch, but it was like when you look back on it, it was like really fucking strict. When you do think back on Ironwood and like the experiences you had there and the punishments that they, you know, gave you all the time, do you think that you have like any PTSD that's resulted from that, or do you think that you know that's okay because of well, like it definitely there's different types of PTSD. Like some people's PTSD can give them like nightmares, anxieties. And I think that somewhat does happen to me, but a lot of mine's like, it it makes you so socially awkward afterwards. It's like, I don't know, like everything that you go through there, like, like everybody's snitching on each other to like move up. And that just like, doesn't set up good friendships and like relationships for the rest of your life. Like you get out and you're like, wait, we we don't like have to do this shit. (laughs) It brainwashes you while you're there. Yeah, and I think that that's, like, um, an interesting um, perspective because I think a lot of 
kids would say, oh, well, you know, the benefits outweigh the negative impact that 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 the program might have had. And this, you know, negative impact a lot of the times is a social, uh, you know, anxiety or, you know, problems just connecting to people that we have to, you know, communicate with day to day. I think that, like, the first step for like most families when they send their kids away is to reach out to an educational specialist. What we should do, or like what everybody that goes through these processes should hold these educational specialists to a really high standard of what program are you sending them to? Are they getting any money from these programs for them? you sending them to each like specific ones? Because I'm sure, and at the time, Ireland probably did seem like a good program because when I first went to it you know you see all these kids graduate the graduations look beautiful amazing and it's really not you know the idea of Ironwood was probably good at once you know it's because they hire people just whoever one of my friends tried to apply for Ironwood I just wanted to see how easy it would be and she got an interview like it's just so easy to get an interview for Ironwood and go work there and they pay you they pay you shit pay to work with teams. They don't really train you. So all these all these staff are coming in with their own like God complexes and problems and they're taking away privileges from us and giving us consequences when they probably have their own struggles at home, which they don't need to be working with teams like that. You need you just need or if you're gonna have those kind of people work with them, don't give them the power that they do, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's what that's just disgusting that like Nikki could get hired off the street and then the next day she's making us feel like shit, you know, not helping with our program. And instead, like, yeah, it's not, it's okay. Also, if staff make mistakes because they're human, obviously, but own up to them, be like, all right, well, that wasn't a good consequence. Maybe that made Julia feel upset or like isolated. Let's see what the next, like, let's like ask her what she thinks would be a better one or, you know, make, He's not in the place to ask that. Maybe I should talk to the therapist about the everything that, you know, the things that you're doing. And it's just like, it just makes me sick. And yeah. And back to the educational specialists, like these people should be researching these places to see, are they punitive? Because I feel like a lot of the people that got sent to Ironwood just from now, like I've applied at a wilderness therapy company and the way that they talk about things, they're pretty like way more advanced than Ironwood is. Like they don't even accept kids that are like super duper self-harming or super violent. I feel like Ironwood would just accept whoever and you don't have the resources that even help these kids. You just have all kinds of kids with all kinds of issues that don't really need to be all in the same place. Like there's so many different programs. You should at least try to specialize in like just behavior issues, you know? Like that was my issue. I had behavior issues. I was a freaking brat. I, I've hit my mom before like, and it did help change my life having that type of structure um somewhat a lot of it was also horrible and the other programs I went to were like worse for me but like somebody that has severe depression or anxiety or you know self-harms themselves doesn't need to be at a place that's gonna just punish them for every single thing that they do I agree yeah that definitely I yeah my my problems at the time were that I need to be punished like I was just a brat at the time and now, like, now I've developed, like, somewhat of a little bit of depression. So, like, I can feel empathy for those people that I would not want to be treated the way that we were, you know, with those issues. Yeah, definitely made it a lot harder if you were struggling with 
um, suicide or mental health, you know, issues, especially depression and anxiety. Like I remember picking my nails so bad because of the anxiety there. Just they, they, the constant punishments and the constant like being on COS and not being able to speak what I wanted and say what I wanted that constantly made me so anxious. I would just like pick at my nails, not even intentionally, but like, I just had like such scarred fingers from that. And they would just get mad at me for doing it. Like I was sat there wanting to scar up my fingers. Like that was fun for me. That was that, that reminds me of something because while I was there, one thing that they wanted to do is figure out the right medicine for me. What, what medicine, what medicine, what medicine? Okay. Let's give her like, and I was always on Vivance my whole life. Let's give her more Vivance. Okay. The Vivance is make. They tried, and you know when you're on Vyrance, it's pretty much like meth. So I was picking at my head and, like, picking at my fingers, and they were like, they had the cameras on me, and they made me watch the cameras of me doing this, and they're like, you have anxiety, so you need anxiety medication. So they get, so I got prescribed uh, uh, Talipram or, like, you know, something for anxiety, and they're like, okay, so you have anxiety. Oh, now you can't sleep at night because... Because you have anxiety. No, it's because I'm on so much Vyvanse and so much anxiety medication. And then they give me, uh, I took melatonin. Remember I used to sleep talk? They'd give me melatonin and clonidine to go to sleep at night. And it's just like, why can't you just, I'm not here. Like, if you're going to be a type of a hospital that medicates people to do that. But like, don't experiment with me. Like, and now I don't take anything and I do have a little bit of anxiety now and it actually feels like I do. It didn't really feel like I did then and I definitely didn't, but I feel like maybe it stemmed from that. It's like, okay, well, you're constantly trying to diagnose me or constantly giving me more medicines that probably have given me issues now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, to be a kid at that age and just have constant, like this constant thing of adults saying, oh, you need to be put on a medicine. Something's wrong with you that needs to be fixed with a medication. That must have been so confusing so weird to go through and be like no I don't feel like there's anything wrong with me I'm not asking for medication but yeah for some reason you guys are like claiming that there's something crazy and wrong with me no you were energetic that's why I left is because they saw they thought that I was so impulsive that it must be a disorder so they sent me to a place in Texas with I was there for one day before they falsely which I've like gotten re-diagnosed or like went to go get tested and I don't have this but they tried to tell me that I have cerebral dysmythia which is seizures of the brain and they gave me trileptol and by the I was only there like I think 20 days 24 days or something and by the end of my time there I don't even remember being there like I, I my last day I kind of remember saying bye to everybody and I was throwing up everywhere just but the reason I left is because my mom like I was talking to my mom like once a week and she couldn't understand me because it was, it was like an actual hospital. Like I was on a, in a hallway all the time. And like some days, some days we get to go out and like watch the Titanic. I remember watching the Titanic like three different times in 24 days and in this room. And like, they didn't really supervise our phone calls there. Cause it was just like a hospital. It was like, it was so weird. And I was on the phone with her. She couldn't understand me. And she's like, all right, I'm taking my daughter home. But that's the place that Ironwood sent me. Laura sent me there from Ironwood. And I kind of want to just tell, I don't know if that's, I don't even know if it's like her to blame or whatever, but maybe if they were just more focused on my behavior and like, and not my medications and what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me. Maybe I'm just a kid trying to have fun doing normal kid things. I'm a little bit more hyper than everybody else. What the fuck is wrong with that? I've calmed down a lot. I'm still very like giggly and 
very fun and I am hyper a lot of the time, but I've, I'm fine. I'm a functioning adult. I feel like that's like, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't even have to like, you know, d- explain yourself or explain anything I, that just trying to like diagnose you with something that there wasn't even there, that there wasn't an issue with like is terrifying that they're trying to, you know, diagnose you with something that you don't even have and then try to get you on a bunch of drugs, like especially as a kid, especially as a kid who is now in a treatment center where you can get therapy and you can work on stuff. Um, it, it's ridiculous that their way is like, oh, she's not complying, so therefore we need to medicate her and we need to get... Exactly. If they were more focused on the real problems, like my dad died like a couple, like six years before Ironwood and I was super depressed about it and I didn't really... That's the main cause of all my anger and I figured that out like kind of while I was I mean, at that was obvious when I was there at Ironwood. I'm, and I'm just going to bring up this memory because I remember sitting in the lodge and I remember this day like very vividly because it was really uncomfortable for me that they would only give us mail at the end of the day as like uh, a reward for having a good day and we would get our mail and we'd have to read it in front of everyone and nobody knows what your mail is going to be that day is it going to be your parents telling you off is it going to be a nice letter from your Wait, sister always have to read our mail? we would always have to read our mail like in front like in the lodge like after dinner do you remember that i remember that sort of did we have to read all of our mail Sometimes you could just throw it away, but sometimes you'd have to give it right back to the staff and they'd, they'd either put it somewhere for you. But I remember you got a letter that like one evening and it was like, you know, they I think maybe your mom sent you a picture of your dad or, you know, something something about your father came up and you just couldn't hold back the tears. And you just you like were very upset and like, you know, none of the staff really like said anything to you. They were just like, oh, whatever, you know. They just kind yeah. of brushed it off. And I always felt like that was that was like so frustrating for me because I really wanted to like hug you in that moment and be like, it's it's OK. Like that that's something tough that you went through. Like and we're here for you. Like well, that's we, we the love reason you, I was just, there. And God, then, and then, like but not being able to do that and like to know that you're going through something like that and then not seeing a staff take you aside or like it just it really shows you that they, they really didn't care. Up too. Because they, so while I was there, my, I, I told everybody before I went to Ironwood that my dad died of a heart attack. Because that's what my mom told me. She's like, your dad died of a heart attack. So anytime anybody would ask, it was like, okay, yeah, he died of a heart attack. Anyway. Right. And then while I'm there, I'm in a meeting with Laura, like right when I got, right when I got to Purple. Like this is why I wasn't Purple for that long. It was literally like, all right, you get to talk to your mom. Let's have therapy about this. She has something she wants to tell you. Your dad died of a heroin overdose and not a heart attack and I've lied to you about it. And I remember I threw the tissue box at the computer or like a tissue, maybe not the whole box, probably just a tissue or like, okay, maybe it was the box. I don't know. I don't know. It just like really fucking broke me. I was like, what? Like my whole life's a lie, you know? I mean, that's and just so t- traumatic I think they to took go. my color that day. What from the fuck? Throwing out the tissue box because I was just like, what the, like, you know? That's ridiculous. And that makes me so angry up. because you just went through something so dramatic. You just found out the real reason behind your father's death and for the staff to just be like not understanding not empathetic and put you down a color and just take what you you know whatever progress you did have and in that moment when you really just needed to process what you just heard and to to have some emotions and to just be Skylar and 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 whatever that needed to be for you whatever that needed to be if you were just angry whatever yeah and then you know suppress it and good night that was it the next day is the next day and you just back to cleaning horse shit you know what i said if i like won the lottery i'd buy ironwood's land and make it a really cool airbnb that only ironwood kids can go back 
I was probably making an Airbnb for about a year, but then I'd probably turn it into a program that actually did something. Yeah, actually give back to the kids. Or it was like, but you, you'd have to pick a, like I said, you have to pick a, a problem. You can't have all these people with all these different issues. Like, there's no way that you have that many people specialized in every single one of these. You know, you can't have somebody with, like, bipolar disorder or somebody that threatened to shoot up a school and, and somebody that is depressed. Yeah, there was way too many kids that were there for several reasons that were, like, so unrelated to each other. You know, there's girls that are bit there because they've been sexually abused, kids who've been there, you know, because they, you know, pulled a gun on someone, and then kids who were there for, you know, almost ODing on heroin. It's like there's such a mix of things going on there, nobody who is specialized in any one thing. And it's just a mix of, like, nope, we're all going to suppress everything that you've gone through. We're going to create this behavior so that when we send you back to your parents, you're more scared of... Am I going to get punished? Then did I get better? It's just such a waste of space, Ironwood. It's like, you guys could be doing so much better. Like, why don't you hold yourselves accountable? Or like, why doesn't Weston Sue, like, since they bought it, why don't they talk to some of the past? Like, you can't talk to every single person that went there because a lot of these people are just angry. Mm-hmm. But like, you could, some of us are a little bit level-headed. Like, if you just were to ask, like, how was your experience? Like, how do we make it better? Like, what did, you know, what did you walk away with that was helpful? And what did you walk away with that, you know, is, wasn't helpful? Because asking those or questions. Or if you're going to be a behavioral camp, then just do kids that need behavioral help. Yeah. Simple as that. Just like, if you need, if you need people that, if you, because like, boot camp is, is very helpful to some people. Um, it really is like I had a lot more issues than just you know behavioral but that kind of stuff helped me in that sense like I needed a structure I was just so unorganized my whole life so it's kind of cool like all right do this do this do this but yeah like with somebody that just got out of it like just was sexually abused that's like almost punishing them for being abused that's like re-abusing I needed because I was a brat I was breaking the law I was like I was I was such a, a shithead if I told you all the things I did you'd be like what the hell but I was such a shithead. A punishment was definitely needed. And then the therapy side helped me like work out my things with my dad. But like, why would you send somebody, yeah, somebody that's been sexually abused to go get abused some more, you know? Like, why would you punish them for that? Like they need somebody, they need to go to like a group home with girls that have also been abused so they can talk about it and like feel like they're not the only ones. People that have been abused like that, especially sexual abuse, you need to talk about that. Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of traumas, not even just, you know, that kind of trauma that a kid's yeah, have gone through, sure. like, you know, death of a loved one as well, or, you know, uh, something traumatic that happened in any kid's life and not being able to bring that up in a day-to-day conversation when it is, that's all we have to think about, that's all we have to process. We're in these day-to-day lives with these kids every day, and maybe hearing that somebody else is going through it might have helped or benefited me as a 14 year old at the time, like just hearing that other kids are struggling in a similar way and like being able to talk about it and process it with kids my age. Um, Cause I think that part of the program and the struggle that I have um, still to this day was not being able to communicate with the kids I was there with. We were not allowed to do this thing called war stories is when you share any information from yeah, your yeah. life before the program. And I think a lot of programs are like that. I'm not sure, but. Well, okay. So, at a lot of other programs, a war story just means talking about drugs or, like, talking about, like, okay, that's not true. You can talk about drugs if you're talking about them, like, in a healing way. Like, yeah, I used to do heroin. Like, I'm really trying to, you know, work through it. But a war story is, like, glorifying it. Like, yeah, man, I just did a bunch of, 
I did this and like yeah I used to do cocaine off of strippers assholes and <laughs> you know it was sick or you know that's a war story but like at Ironwood anything was a war story it was like Yep. Like, yeah, I shouldn't be talking about having sex because it's not appropriate right now. Or I shouldn't be talking about, like, you know, smoking weed at a party, like, when I had a good time. But it was like, you couldn't even talk about, you couldn't talk about that. And you also couldn't talk about, oh, yeah, like, I was abused at a party, like, and it was really traumatizing to me, you know? Yeah, there was you times when um we would yeah. do, we were allowed to have, like, music groups. And I think... I sang a song by Adele and I noticed that like one of the other residents was getting like super upset and like she wasn't allowed to like say that that song I would I guess it was triggering to her in some way and like instead of just communicating that like she just got you know very upset went to the corner you know later on she told told me what was what went on and like why that song was triggering to her but like she told me like in that moment she was just so like scared a staff was going to get annoyed like a matter like see her as like attention seeking and she just didn't want to annoy the group because she knew the group dynamic was weird and already like kind of shamey yeah. and so she just felt like she couldn't you know talk about it but like yeah apparently like that song was super triggering and super traumatic thing happened and that song was you know on in the background and like had i known had like she been able to communicate that to the group and we could have all sat there and like been there for her and like had an open conversation and like got through something that day like instead she just like sat in the corner and like felt ashamed for even feeling those things and i just feel like that's like why i have these issues with the program is like we're not taught oh like let's process things let's let's communicate what our feelings are what our emotions are we're taught to suppress and to ignore that because we're being you know either too needy or too attention seeking or we're being some kind of form of manipulative uh, and it's yeah. just that's what we're taught to think of ourselves and what our emotions are and it's still like which is bad did you have a code adam story or any See, I never ran or anything, but I do remember your cut out on. I, I just remember we all were in the... Okay, did you grab a knife? Was yeah. it a butter knife? It was an actual knife, yeah. So my code Adam was... Um, I was suicidal, and I told the staff. I said, look, I'm suicidal. I want to kill myself. I don't have any plans, but, like, you got to watch me because I'm, like, literally... I'm going to do something. I don't have any way of getting hold of any kind of weapon so I'm just going to tell you that's how angry I am inside and they were like all right well let's write out your emotions let's get a notepad write out how you're feeling and we're gonna like do some kind of fucking weird ritual over the fire and like burn it and we'll read it whatever so we well, did that that was that was nice of them that was nice but of them immediately called your therapist <laughs> yeah so I mom, think I or, think you know, Robin, my therapist, was actually like on vacation or something during this time. Um, yeah. She wasn't around. So what happened was we had a new staff the one day. So they, they were like, all right, she's on suicide watch or whatever. So they weren't letting me in the kitchen. They weren't letting me around any sharps. They were keeping an eye on me. They would pull me aside every once in a while. They kept doing like uh, weapon checks on me. Like they pulled me into the nurse's office a couple times and made me strip search. Like just to like see if I had anything on me. Um and then, yeah, that day that I ran, uh, I was eating a banana. I was like, can I throw the banana in the fire pit? The staff that day, she was new. And so she's like, no, I think you're not allowed to do that. And she thought I was trying to like pull one over on her. So she was like, yeah, go in the lodge and throw it away. Went in the lodge and it was just who was cutting up whatever. And I, it, the knife, she just had it like right next to her. And I was like, this is my moment. So I just took it and just ran into like right behind um, the basketball courts right into the woods and I yeah, cut open uh, my wrist really bad and then right after you that cut 
yeah like super bad i had to get like t 10 stitches or something like that because they took me to and, a hospital and then how long were you gone were you for a couple of days or yeah so what happened was i was in the hospital and then they took me to acadia the same like the psych ward See, those are even worse that was scary <laughs> as fuck let me tell you because so i got there and, like, my first experience was, like, my roommate who was, like, hi, do you like girls? And I was, like, what? Like, I 14-year-old me is, like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't even know, like, what a lesbian was at that point, I don't think. Like, I just didn't even know anything. I was, like, what? Who are these, like, kids? And then um, the scariest man I've ever met in my life. Like, I mean, I'm talking, like, horror movie scary. Like, this man just seemed, like, out of, like, a scary clown movie just sat there like creepy ass beady eyes weird long fingers crossed leg crossed in a weird uncomfortable way like just asking me like you know what's your what's your mental health like blah 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 are you okay and I just was like yeah I'm okay like yeah I'm fine you know just got, wanted to get out of the room as soon as I could and as soon as he let me go I kind of just went walked around to see what was going on and like in each room something crazy was happening like one girl was getting taken down by staff getting injected in her ass with like some kind of like yeah, and I've then just stuck in some kind of lava lamp room and it, that was weird and then like there was another woman who came in and she's like yeah so um if you want to cut yourself you got to paint red all over your arms where you would want to cut with red nail polish and instead of cutting and that's that'll show like you know how upset you are and like every single girl that was in there like literally just started like lathering their entire arms with like red nail polish it was so weird and then like there was just some girls who were just so anorexic and skinny and they were there and like I've never seen someone cry this way before but this one girl like it was so scary she was so gone you could just look in her eyes and there was no movement no emotion on her face but her she just crying tears just coming 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 but like no expression on her face no eye movement no eyebrow movement no like no like lip quivers nothing just completely blank tears it was so like, there's so many broken people and, like, um, Ironwood tried to get me out. Like, they really wanted to get me out. So as soon as my dad came, he, he checked me out. And then I was right back at Ironwood. And I was on reflection with, like, a bunch of stitches in my wrist. Yeah, I remember you coming back. There's a whole other system, too, because there's, like, the te troubled teen industry. And then there's just the insane asylum. The psych wards, your, yeah. If you're psych fucking... wards. Those places will diagnose you in two days with something and just put you on pills and then you'll rot. Yeah, and if you don't get diagnosed That's and put on pills, you'll just go crazy way. from the fucking people that you have to be there with. It's sucking. It's mad. Well, thank you so much, Skylar, for being on our podcast today. Uh, it was awesome catching up with you and hearing your story.